Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Primate Cast when we roll on with part two of our student selection podcast series. And in this episode, we're going to be focusing more on the research side of, of primatological science and, and in some cases even how people got into research. That's right. So last time we heard some conservation clips and today we're going to hear from five or six uh, renowned primatologists about different aspects of their research. Mm-hmm. So we're going to tackle things like, um, you know, how scientific discoveries turn into, you know, the building of research programs around those discoveries to kind of narrow down the finer points of that research. And then at the end to, you know, putting yourself out there as a young scientist and making contacts that could be long lasting and, and kind of setting yourself up for a future in, in, in science. Right. And to get to your first point there, um, we're going to start out with a clip that we chose uh, to put in the show from Franz de Waal, where he's going to talk about a phenomenon that he's very interested in, empathy, and how it's, in his mind, it's kind of gone from a term that's kind of vague um, into more of a scientifically precise term through um, the research program he's put together. Mm -hmm. And then you'll hear later on from Dr. Joseph Call, who talks about this idea of discovery to, you know, getting to the finer points of research, and then through Bill McGrew, who's going to talk about defining specific concepts within science as well, mm-hmm. kind of similar to this idea right. that, that Franz is getting into. And finally, from Dr. Dora Biro, who talks about not only her research paradigm and using the comparative approach in science, but also to how she got started. And then we're going to end with a clip from Dr. Tetsuro Matsuzawa here at the Primate Research Institute. Right, that was the first Primate cast. The very first, you got to go way back in time. <laughs> yeah. The very first, and... Uh, and Dora's uh, clip, actually, from her podcast is a nice segue um, into Professor Matsuzawa's as well, because she actually came here to work with him on the iProject. Right. So he'll be talking about the iProject. And it'll be nice to finish our year and a half in review podcast with the very first podcast that we did with him. And so here's Franz Duol. So initially, when I would say that even chimpanzees, that chimpanzees have empathy uh, people, people were very sort of uh, objecting to that kind of idea. And I think it is because they had a very high opinion about empathy. Uh, I believe that Povinelli even runs, once wrote a paper th- that chimpanzees have no empathy. What he meant is they have no theory of mind. And even that, of course, is in, under debate. Um, but for me, empathy is not theory of mind. That, that's, that's maybe an outgrowth of it, and it is related to it. But um, in, in psychology, there's a lot of resistance to it. Whereas if you go to the average person in the street and you say, uh, does your dog have empathy? You always get an affirmative answer because the dog responds to emotions. So if you're sad, the dog will try to console you. And actually recently an experiment was published on that particular issue. Uh, And if you're happy, the dog will be happy and try to play with you. And, And so dogs respond to our emotions and we recognize that as related to empathy because that's also in young children how we see empathy. And so that kind of resistance has now subsided to a large degree, I think because rodents have now empathy according to some people and birds have it according to some people. And, and so it's not limited. I'm not just talking about chimpanzees anymore. It's, it's a wide range of animals and certainly mammals and birds in which we recognize that they're sensitive to the emotions of others. And we're not necessarily claiming perspective taking or theory of mind, even though I think in some species like elephants and apes, that that becomes a a big issue and and a big possibility. So where do you take it from here then? Well, we keep doing experiments on this. 
and and we keep doing experiments on cooperation uh, i think the the empathy literature on animals will keep growing uh, the the word is not really a taboo anymore i have the impression and and so it will get bigger and and then people will and that happens with every term that we use if you use the term theory of mind initially it's a black and white discussion Do, does this animal have theory of mind yes or no and now we are at the point where the whole concept has sort of fallen apart in little pieces and we say yes the scrub jays they may have this part of it but not that part or the elephants may have this part or not that part and 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 humans may have all of the parts but i'm not even sure that humans have all of the parts but um, <laughs> uh, certainly not not in early development mm-hmm. and, and so now the concept has more or less fallen apart and, and and the same thing will happen with empathy i look at empathy as a sort of umbrella term for how one organism understands another or or relates to the situation and the feelings of another at least uh, but i'm sure 10 years from now we will have divided it up in little pieces and 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 a dog will have only some of these pieces okay so moving on to our students for today um our first one is lira Yu who's a doctoral candidate in the section on language intelligence. I am interested in the behavior which occurs during interaction with others. Especially I am interested in the behavior that matches in time, so-called behavioral synchrony. Like in humans, I believe this behavior synchrony would play an important role as social communication in chimpanzees, who are known as highly social non-human primates. So my PhD thesis aims at investigating the relationship between behavioral synchrony and social affiliation in chimpanzees under laboratory settings. Um, I originally got interest in primatology when I was in undergraduate school. One invited professor introduced Primate Research Institute during his talk. Until then, I didn't know there are some places that study chimpanzees' cognition. So I thought studying non-human primate species is very interesting scientific approach to know more about humans. I liked the primate cast, an interview with Dr. Joseph Call because he uses comparative approaches between humans and non-human primates. During the interview, he said, documenting anecdotes is the first step to research fodder. I thought many young experimental primatologists, including me, would be encouraged by this word. And it may help us to keep challenge on recording interesting phenomenon with a simple and clear method. Yeah, so thanks, Lyra. I was really happy that some of the students um, kind of started with this kind of fundamental ideas in science and scientific discovery, where you always kind of have to start somewhere. But then once you have that initial realization or discovery, there's so much work that needs to come after it. Right. And... Joseph Call especially is good at taking things that have been noticed through anecdotes and actually studying them systematically in the lab. And he's working at the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology in Leipzig, where they have access to all four great ape species at the Leipzig Zoo. So it's a really exciting place to work. And he's also expanded his research beyond primates into corvids and probably in the future more. So That's right. Great for the comparative so. approach. Yeah. Okay, so here's Joseph Call. Of course, if you want to investigate something, the first thing you need to do is document that it exists, that right. it occurs. And once you have that, then you can see you know, what is the cognitive processes that are controlling the behavior that mm-hmm. you're observing. But I don't think this is unique about Leipzig. I think other people use it right. with their questions. 
the thing that is uh, perhaps the, 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 what I was saying, the low resolution, yes, has to do with this. But sometimes, very often, what happens is um, the phenomenon is documented, and then the work stops. Mm-hmm. And that is, is fine as a first step, but it leaves lots of open questions. And I think, uh, I, I mean, when, 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 uh, when, uh, when we have found some results, say, 10 years ago, at that point, there were so many alternative interpretations that we had to run more studies to really know. Now, I mean, we're talking about a process that took 10 years. Mm-hmm. So you cannot expect to wait 10 years to publish the paper, right? So you, you present something that you think is, a, is, a, is an advance, and, and from there, you need to keep working on it. And you also give the opportunity to your colleagues to also mm. work on it. Our next student, Yana Kim, is a doctoral candidate also in the section on language and intelligence. I'm interested in prosocial behavior, and which is similar to helping behavior, and I'm especially interested in the origin. Where does it come from? So now I'm comparing orangutans and chimpanzees because their uh, social structure or social environment is so different. So I'd like to look at the whether those kind of social complexity itself is uh, influencing the prosocial propensity in general. Ever since I was very young, I always dreamed to be a zookeeper. So I entered the university, which is famous for the animal kind of things. And then I just happened to be here. And I really like what I'm doing here. And I really like studying primates in captive and in, in captivity and also in the wild. So. I think I've found myself happy when I study primates and I cannot really imagine the other things. And I met this wonderful professor, his name is William McGrew, and I happened to listen to his podcast, which is an, on Psychast's website. And the section that I chose is really well describing how he, his perspective on primatology and also how he really perceived how we should study primates. So I really like him. I love him. I admire him. I respect him. So our next clip from Dr. Bill McGrew came from an interview we did with him at the IIAS conference last year. And that's also the conference where we talked to Joseph. So the focus of that was on the evolution of the human mind and uh, both Bill and Joseph touched on scientific methods um, and things like creating better operational definitions for terms and Joseph's case, turning anecdotes and discoveries into discoveries. So um, we're very grateful that we had both of them at that conference. Yeah, it was nice that Yana picked up on this. Um, specifically in this clip from Bill, he's gonna be talking about, you know, not just in general how science should be done, but in this case specifically, um, how to define terms and then use them operationally in research. Uh, in this case, he's focusing on culture, um, mm-hmm. which tradition traditionally was not t- necessarily studied in a, in a scientific kind of way. But he made a in a different part of that interview. I remember him saying that it was one of those cathartic moments for him when he realized that he needed to turn to culture mm-hmm. instead of things like or instead of basically natural selection to explain some of the behaviors he's he's observing in the group. So in this clip, he talks about you know defining culture. 
And at this point, I need to mention that another student of ours, another doctoral candidate in the section of social systems evolution, So Jung Han, also chose this clip by uh, Dr. Bill McGrew, uh, and specifically because she was very, I guess, intrigued by the idea that you can give different definitions to things, and which she said in her message, unfortunately, we weren't able to interview her because she's in Leipzig, Germany. But what she said in her message was, it's a nice balance between intuition and scientific rigor. Uh, in this case, kind of balancing what you need out of your research with what you're going to get. Right. And Bill McGrew is a professor emeritus at Cambridge University. And he's really well known for doing these broad comparative studies of chimpanzee culture across Africa. And in the process, he emerged as one of the world's authorities on chimpanzee material culture. That's so right. here's Bill. I think there is no consensual definition, and probably never will be, any more than there ever was in sociocultural anthropology for Homo sapiens. And I think that's probably a good thing, because we may well need different definitions for culture for different problems. If I'm tackling culture conceptually, I may need a different definition than if I'm tackling it uh, empirically, where an operational definition is important. But I think there are certain elements that are going to crop up in anybody's definition of culture. Obviously, social learning as opposed to individual learning. Some extent of persistence or endurance, maybe over generations. Um, some aspect of collectivity, uh, and so on. And standardization. I mean, there are a number of, of, of themes that are in, uh, in everybody's uh, definition of culture. What I've always said about uh, definitions of culture is, I don't care how you define it. Just make it precise, make it operational, make it, you know, make it feasible. All right. So in our next student selection, we're going to hear from Renata Mendonca. She is a doctoral candidate, also in the section of language intelligence. Uh, my research interests are mainly related to modern infant behavior and infant de development. Um, I want to know how the hormonal status of the mother and environmental factors influence it. And now I'm studying it on wild orangutans in Borneo. So um, since I remember, I always wanted to be a biologist or something related with natural sciences and animals. Um, but first I start to, to become interested in evolution after I learned about Charles Darwin uh, as a high school student. Um, Later on, I took some classes in ethology and human evolution, and uh, I became interested in both of these topics. Um, and I think primates can be a link uh, between these two areas, because by studying non-human primates uh, behavior, I can contribute somehow to a better understanding of human evolution. So going back to research, um, I chose the podcast of Dora Biro. Um, in this section, because I believe to be a good researcher, it's important to have different perspectives, explore different topics, or work with different species at some point and try to relate them. Um, in the case of Dr. Dora Biro, uh, even if she had worked with two phylogenetically distant animals that are chimpanzees and birds, there's always a benefit and a link. Much of the knowledge she had acquired, acquired previously with chimpanzees uh, was very useful for her um, develop her future work uh, with birds. So for me what she did and, sh and she does is very inspiring because as a researcher she's flexible and productive at both areas and therefore she should be taken as an example especially for the young researchers. Okay so we really need to thank Renata here because it gives us a chance to give a shout out to our friend Dora Biro. That's right. 
Uh, I've worked with Dora quite a bit on chimpanzee social information use, and in this clip we'll hear her talk about the differences between working with chimpanzees, which she has done here at PRI where she was a postdoc, as well as working with pigeons, so two dramatically different species, and kind of for her, the way that working with both of them has kind of complemented her scientific approach. Yeah, and so we also, this is another interview that we did at the, the IAS conference on the evolutionary origins of the human mind. And we can tie this quite well back to the, the interview with Joseph Call because he's also done you know, a lot of work on different species. And he talks in his interview about you know, how, how you have to tailor your experimental designs to you know, accommodate the abilities and, and, uh, of different species and then to be able to interpret your results. And here, Dora's going to be talking about the similarities and dissimilarities of working with these two very, very distant animals. That's right. And Dr. Dora Biro is a lecturer at Oxford University now. Yeah. Okay. So here's Dora. And by the way, we're going to come back to Dora in the final student selections as well. Okay. My PhD was actually on bird navigation, so okay. a very different topic, yes. Sure. Um, and in terms of uh, actually doing research, there was a lot from the chimpanzee work that I could apply to the pigeon work in terms of designing experiments mm -hmm. and just you know asking the right questions and thinking of the right manipulation to include in your experiment to answer the question that you're interested in. So in that sense, you know, the, the two weren't that far apart. I think the real difference was in the animals themselves, mm -hmm. the, the subjects themselves, because chimpanzees are a very, very different type of creature to work with compared to birds. The, my, my sort of main the main contrast that I, that I felt was that when you work with chimpanzees, you have to basically establish a personal relationship with them. I mean, the way it works at PRI is that the chimps come voluntarily to the uh, experimental rooms, so you have to basically be friends with them. You know, if they don't like you, they won't come. Um, and also, even if they come, they might not want to do your experiment. Um, if they're in a bad mood, or if, you know, if you've done something nasty to them, or mm -hmm. you know, if they have a, some grudge <laughs> because last time you didn't give them the right food or something. So you needed to really be aware of this, this, this relationship that you had with your, with your um, uh, subject. With That's right. I mean, you spent so much time negotiating yes, with the Yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And with, with my bird experiments, that was never an issue. So. <laughs> In that set, in a, in a sense, it was easier because, I mean, with the with the bird navigation experiments, what it basically involved is going into the into pigeon lofts and picking up pigeons and putting them in boxes and driving them off in cars, and you know the birds had no say in this. You know, right. <laughs> if I was skillful enough to catch them, then they were in the experiment; they had no choice. Whereas, um, with the chimps, that you know that that was a very different experience for them and for me mm. um, so but at the same time I think with the birds I missed this sure. interpersonal almost relationship with the subjects and sadly that brings us to our final student selection on this podcast series and that's going to be done by Hun Jin Liu who's one of our dear friends here at the Primate Research Institute and he is a doctoral candidate in the section of social systems evolution and by the way we should give a special thanks to Hyun Jin because he works on the podcast. Yeah, he's actually the one who put all of this together, the, uh, the student selections and editing the clips uh, before he went off to the DR Congo. 
where he's at now studying the bonobos. Great. So thanks, Eugene, for all the hard work. Yeah, thanks a lot. Hope to have you back on the podcast in the future. I'm studying wild bonobo at DR Congo, and my research interest includes uh, female sexuality and their high sociality in the group. So I wonder how can they achieve high social status in male philopatric society compared with female chimpanzee. And to answer this question, I'm focusing on how they manage males as well as females in the group. When I was an undergraduate student, I was thinking about my career in the future. And at the time, I just met uh, Professor Che in Korea. I made a contact with him and he gave me a chance to study wild uh, crap. And at the time, I also watched a TV show and bonobos in the captive condition, they protect dead body. And then I was very surprised because animal can can have empathy or sympathy. So I was just so shocked. After that, I just can't escape from that moment. And I just studied about Bonobo and I just decided to be a primatologist. I choose Dora Biro's interview because in her very beginning of interview, she said uh, her history, how she came to Japan. And yeah, she just made trial and she got accepted by Professor Matsudawa and she made contact and then everything was changed. So it was very like me. I just made contact with Professor Che and I'm now here. So I was so surprised and impressed by those kind of a very initial trial of connection make someone's life uh, totally change it. So I, I'm, I'm loving to hear those kind of moment or history of somebody's and some successful researchers. And I believe this kind of story should be shared by a lot of uh, people because it will motivate young researchers or someone who challenging in their field. So that's why I choose Dora Virus. Okay, here's Dora again. Um, This time, it's not going to be so much about her science. It's more about how her history, how she got involved in the chimp project here in Japan. Yeah, so it was nice that Hunjin touched upon this kind of a really fundamental thing for young people to think about when they start, you know, getting into research and science is that it's not always so easy to you know, not only find topics that you're interested in, but then also put yourself out there and contact people that would be able to facilitate that type of research. And so I guess in some ways, Chris, we probably feel that the primate cast could be something that would help, you know, encourage or motivate young researchers to, you know, kind of explore different ideas and different topics through the interviews we've had. Um, and also SciCasp. Mm-hmm. So when Dora first came to Japan, there would have been very little infrastructure for, you know, welcoming international students. And over the years that has kind of grown in SciCasp, you know, has been a big part of that in the last five years or so. So we hope to get more and more people like this coming to PRI as well. Okay, so here's Dora again. I first came to Japan in 1996, Mm -hmm. um, and that was between my second and third undergraduate years um, at Oxford. And within the Oxford system, what happens is that 
during that summer, so between your second and third year, you're supposed to do, you were at the time supposed to do an undergraduate research project, which was basically a free choice. You could do whatever you wanted. You could find a local supervisor and stay in Oxford and do whatever your supervisor told you to do, or you were free to approach basically anybody in the world and 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 try and do an internship somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I, during that second year of my undergraduate studies, I became very interested in chimpanzees. Um, and so what I did was I wrote to a bunch of chimpanzee researchers around the world, basically saying, um, I'm interested in your work. Uh, would you mind if I came and worked with you for the summer? Which I think, I mean, looking back, was sort of a naive um, idea, perhaps, because, you know, it's not that easy to go and work with Jane Goodall, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, one of the few positive replies that I had uh, came from Professor Matsuzawa. Uh, in fact, he was one of the last people to reply, but he replied uh, with a yes. and. I was incredibly excited because actually off of my list of people that I contacted, he was the one that I wanted to work with the most. I was really interested in his um, lab experiments on chimpanzee cognition and um, I, you know, I felt like that's, that's the kind of thing that I want to do. So at the time when I first came there, I really never dreamed that I'd still be coming back to Japan 16 years later and also I, you know, I became involved in the wild chimpanzee work that Professor Matsuzawa runs as well. And these were things that I never imagined would happen, but I think it's down to the fact that I enjoyed that first summer so much. Um, I, it was an incredible learning experience for me. I had never done actual research. You know, when you're an undergraduate, you go from class to class and, and you basically, you know, learn facts and, and write essays. You know, you don't go into a lab and and, and, you know, perform experiments, cognitive experiments with chimpanzees. So for me, it was an incredible experience. I, I learned not just about chimpanzees, but about how to do research, how to design an experiment, you know, the logistics involved in running experiments in analyzing data and, and so forth. So um, I, in fact, I think I came originally for a month and a half or something, and then I enjoyed being here so much that I, I, postponed my plane ticket and I stayed um, as long as I could basically before my next semester started. So um, I think because it was such a positive experience, I, I, you know, I spent my third year, my third undergraduate year, just dreaming of, of coming back here and, and being able to work here again. It's actually true. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, when Dora originally came to Japan, so she came here to work with Professor Matsuzawa specifically on the I project, and that's a project which you, Chris, have also been extensively involved in. So can you just give us, before we get into the, the clip from um, Professor Matsuzawa, just give us a brief summary of what that project has done, Sure. it's about. Uh, so the I project, uh, which I've been working on for the last seven years, is very old. It started uh, in the late 70s, kind of at the same, uh, around the same time as a lot of the eight projects going on in America, which think have all since stopped but the i project i project is still going on so it's uh it's kind of a very special uh, research program and dora came to work on it with professor matsuzawa in the late 90s and uh from the beginning it's always been a focus on using computer controlled 
apparatus uh, to study chimpanzee mind. So that's been the, the main focus on a lot of elements of the, hum of the chimpanzee mind have been studied by Professor Matsuzawa and others. And in this clip, uh, which we'll play shortly, he is going to talk about um, the reason for that, why he chose to make it an automated approach. Okay, and so just a final point before we get into this, we really need to send a special thanks out to all of the students who participated here. Absolutely. Kind of made this a really special event for us, and we hope to do it again in the future. Mm -hmm. And so with that, here is Dr. Tetsuro Matsuzawa. Here he is. IE project is featured by computer-controlled mm -hmm. automatic experiment from the beginning. That is a clear difference from the sign language study. Right. And what would you say was the main reason for deciding to be fully automatic? Objective way. Mm -hmm. The science should be objective. Mm -hmm. So I don't like chattering ape episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to become uh, objective scientists. That is one. And another is I came from human visual information processing and uh, rat brain neuroscience so so the discipline i i was trained is more objective more precise mm -hmm. so um so-called psychophysics so you may uh, manipulate the variables then depending variables the behavior should be clearly described and defined mm -hmm. so this kind of how about the relationship of the physical world and psychological world? So this was the original question of me. So that I did not study the topics like language or communication or social interaction. No, I was focusing on color vision, mm -hmm. shape perception, and concept of number. You have been listening to The Primate Cast, a podcast series dedicated to the study and conservation of primates around the world. Brought to you by the Centre for International Collaboration and Advanced Studies in Primatology of the Primate Research Institute of Kyoto University. Visit us online at www.cicasp.pri.kyoto-u.ac.jp forward slash news forward slash podcasts and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash The Primate Cast and on Twitter at The Primate Cast.